0: On a Tuesday, happy Tuesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet six fifty. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour two of the program. That music means that Greg Wachinsky from ESPN is going to join us to kick off hour two. Hour two is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling, Vancouver's premier metal recycler. Pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling. They recycle, you get paid. Visit them. 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. We are
1: coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five star Google reviews. Find a perfect fit at kintech.net. The Toronto media yesterday was, uh, they're like, how? How dare you not make Connor Bedard available for us? How dare you? Three
0: games into his we NHL career. We are Toronto. Career. Yep, perfect. Perfect timing. Three games into his NHL career. <laughs> We're already having this conversation. Let's ask our next guest. Greg Wachinski from ESPN joins us now on the Halford & Breff show on Sportsnet 650. What up,
2: Wish? Wait. So why wouldn't we make Connor Bedard available in Toronto? I mean, like it is you know, it again, is, like crazy. Look, man. Look.
1: It is crazy that they didn't make it. Well, hold
2: on. It's, no, no, no. I'm, I'm defending our really? boys. Oh, center of the come on, man. In Boo. What do you mean? Come on, man. It, it, it's, it's, it's one of the biggest media markets for the NHL. He is clearly one of the driving forces and interests in the league this season. Um, he's gone through the, the media, you know, cavalcade at the rookie camp and at the, uh, players media tour in Vegas. I mean, I I'm sorry. Like make, they only come through Toronto once they're in the Western conference. Of course you should make him available in that market. That's
1: well, that's insane. what we're saying. That's what we're that's saying. That's what we're saying. He should be made available. Oh, okay. Yeah. We're Joe. Oh, we're jo- were no, 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 no. We're joking. We're joking.
2: No, I no, that no. you are doing the privileged Toronto writer thing. No, because, well you know, that's, we that's we also, were. That's also part of the course.
1: Yeah, we want to get both sides of the story here, but like, no, 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 we're joking that that you know, like the Toronto media was, and you know, some of the ways they you know kind of express that um, feeling is a little bit much, but like, yeah, well, Connor Bedard. The problem
2: should, is, is that when when something like this happens, then it becomes like a pile-on of all of the media grievances. Then it becomes not simply sure. just like, why didn't you make Connor Bedard available to Toronto media? It becomes, you know, just like you make a third liner available on the third day of the Stanley Cup final. <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. It's just like, okay, we understand that, like, you don't always get what you want, but in this case, of course they should have made him available. But here's the thing about Bedard, like, You know, as much as we should make him available, all of the people that, that, you know, the the constant comeback from people when the media whines about, like, availabilities is, oh, what is he going to say? Like, got to get pucks in deep, blah, blah, blah. And then we're like, well, you never know what they are going to say. They might say something interesting. I can assure you that's all Connor Bedard would say. He has a lot of virtues in life. Being interesting at this point in his life is not one of them.
0: I mean – I hate the media navel-gazing at times, but I think it's important in this context because we are kind of in a brave, bold new world where there is the hype machine behind them, right? I mean, ESPN is a big part of it. There's crossover appeal. There's Pat McAfee appearances. There's the understanding that they've got a chance, unlike with previous iterations like McDavid and Sid and everybody, where they get to launch this guy's career from the very beginning, right? The very start, the first few games. And for me, I'm like, Lean into it. Like, don't hide from this. I know Taylor Hall said, oh, it can all be a little bit overwhelming. I'm like, yeah, well, that's what superstardom is. Very rarely does anyone say, you know what, it was really easy. There were no, (laughs) it was not not difficult at all. Like, I just became a superstar. Everyone was nice to me. Like, this is what Everyone left
2: me alone. It was great. I thought, I thought I mean, Hall at least has a little bit of expertise in this situation, having been a first overall pick himself and having seen Connor McDavid go through this very thing. So, I mean, like, at least I got some time for his, input on on these matters but you're right and and it's funny like you you said launching bedard that's a really interesting point because you know they've not had a player of this magnitude land in a major american medium market um since sid but when sid uh (laughs) was launched it was on the Outdoor Life Network uh, here in the United States <laughs> yeah. in the beginning of a, of a of a let's see how this thing works out media deal that they struck out for the lockout and this time you're launching him on you know ESPN and, and Turner which is a very very different situation uh, it, 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 you know Pat McAfee has Connor Bedard on I don't think Sidney Crosby appeared on the classic car auctions or the <laughs> fishing shows that were the rest of the programming on the Outdoor Life Network at that uh, point. Do you think the NHL is losing ground in terms of popularity? Not at all. Not at all. Like, I mean, for, first of all, you I mean the the attendance uh, figures for for all these arenas remain extraordinarily high, yeah. especially obviously when teams are winning. Um, I think from a from a ratings perspective, you know, you can look at the numbers that Bedard did in his first couple of weeks, and and uh, and you know, I think you know, again, it's uh, sometimes it's matchup reliant but i mean the ratings remain pretty strong so and the other thing too is you have to remember that like and and i kind of see this through my daughter who's 13 like this is a really really cool time to watch hockey because there's a lot of personality with these younger players but aren't accepted and there's a lot of excitement in what they do on the ice and like My kid isn't watching my stuff or listening to my stuff. She's getting her hockey news from Instagram and she's getting her hockey news from TikTok. And like um, there's a whole sort of cult of personality around the NHL with, with, you know, like Gen Z that I think is sort of being missed by those of us who watch traditional metrics. I I think hockey is, is growing in the right ways right now in the U.S. Who are some of the interesting young personalities in the league? Jack Hughes,
1: Jack Hughes, like straight away, yeah. like that. Yeah. Like, see, I, like, I, I don't where, like, where is he interesting? Is TikTok like, famous? Is it like okay? Yeah, I see. I don't know this stuff, so you're, you're, you're oh, making he, a good time, point here.
2: He, he's, he's, he's like every time he opens his mouth, he's interesting. He doesn't have a filter. That's why they don't let him talk to us half the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's because he's, he's a guy that will just kind of like crack a joke or or say something off the top of his head and you know bemoan us or bemoan the <laughs> the, the play or his opponent or whatever. Um, But also just like what he does on the ice. And he's also like a charismatic, charismatic kid. So like, you know, from, from just a personal standpoint, like that's my daughter's entry point into hockey is getting into Jack Hughes. Like she, I took her to games and stuff and she appreciates the, um, the game itself and and watching it live, but she didn't become a check the box scores fan until, until, you know, she became a Jack Hughes fan. So, um, I mean, that's just, again, that's like a microcosm maybe of, of other people's experiences, but, there's definitely, you know, a class of young players, be it Matthews or be it McDavid that just sort of do it on the ice. Then you've got guys like Jason Robertson and, and Jack Hughes to have a little bit more personality off the ice. And, you know, we're, we're getting there. It's it, again, it, it, and we talked with Steve Mayer about this on the drop uh, last week, of our podcast about sort of the push pull between hockey culture and, and, you know, these guys having a chance to really get their personalities out there and it's still, a real tug of war. You know, we're, we're getting guys that came up during the social media age. that yeah. kind of understand marketing a little bit more and understand how to utilize social media more to get themselves over. But at the same time, you have this gigantic anchor around them at all times saying, don't be like this you know, be, be conformed, be part of the board collective. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's always going to be really tough not to crack when you're trying to sell hockey to the the younger generation. Yeah. I
1: wonder when, or if like the social media generation and the people that grow up in that generation and they're comfortable in it because that's how they live will kind of take over from the old guard. I wonder if, or when that will
2: happen. Um, it's, it's going to be tough because like, again, it's, it's, it's sort of the old guard kind of doing this, but, but also it's just sort of how it is, you know, it's, there's a reason why we call it hockey culture is because, you know, when these guys come through the ranks, they're expected to be logo on the front, not the name on the back. And, and that's it, that's been ingrained. So it, it's not simply just like graduating out from old coaches or, or old GMs or whatever, or, or, you know, having this this generation of players, you know, become the 33 year old captain on the team, it's got to be this sort of sea change and how we approach the concept of team and 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 you know that these guys can be of two worlds, you know, be yeah. marketing themselves and and being personable and saying interesting things while also getting their jobs done on the ice. Because I think there's something admirable about that,
1: like about you know this is it's about the team. It's 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 not about me. There is something humble about that but at the end of the day it's not good for business
2: it's not and i've been thinking a lot about that vis-a-vis the travis the travis kelsey taylor swift relationship Mm -hmm. and like what would be the the hockey uh reaction if you know four days before a game uh hockey player x was seen at nobu with his (laughs) Most famous in the world, girlfriend, and uh, like how many how many hot takes would be spit out from Toronto media to drag them again about like the focus should be on the game? It's game thirteen of the regular season. My God, what are you doing out with Taylor Swift for sushi? Like that's the other thing that'll.
1: Problem. I wonder I, if the guys will start having. Do they have? I mean, I'm so lost and all. That, I'm so old. Like, clearly, do, they, do well. Do they have podcasts? Do any of these guys have regular like the actual players? Do they have podcasts? Why are you laughing? I'm asking questions here. No, 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 no. Like, no, I know Spin Chicklets, those guys are all, like, retired guys. Some
0: players do have well, podcasts. Do they have podcasts?
1: Yes, oh, like, you're so young, Halford. God, you just yeah, went no, to no. Wu-Tang. <laughs> <laughs> Where
2: when were they? Oh, come <laughs> on, buddy. I do be young. You can just look Jason's it up. Got a, Jason's got a good point. Like, that's the reason Chicklets succeeded, is because these guys went on there and got to be themselves and, and be on a podcast and show some personality. And they there isn't the equivalent of some of the things that we see in the NBA that like if you check you. out the Apple iTunes charts according and, to Halfords, there's 50
1: there. podcasts going on that I don't know about because they're all on TikTok yeah.
2: or something do they all have cell <laughs> and, phones and, and, or just some of them <laughs> and the same thing with the Kelseys. like we don't we don't we don't have that hockey equivalent by at all and and I think that's that's it's kind of interesting to note that and 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 investigate why that is um, but yeah, hockey is populated by dumb guys like me who can't skate <laughs> and then old guys that we don't care about. And at least one lunatic referee now from what I'm seeing. So <laughs> it's all good.
1: Wish. Why are young people
0: so loud? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are speaking to Greg Wasinski here on the Halford and Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. Okay. I have a bunch of questions I want to ask you specifically about the Penguins and the Devils, but. We have to start with our local hockey squadron wish, the Vancouver Canucks. What did you make of Vancouver breaking the Edmonton Oilers in half and then forcing Jay Woodcroft to put McDavid and Drysaddle back together because their start to the season has been so disastrous?
2: Yeah, he broke he broke glass on the mega powers two, two games into the yeah. season, which so quickly. Like David so on like the way. wing, the are. Bizarre. My take, my take is I'm right again in my in my analysis. Like I told you guys, they were going to make the playoffs. They're a good hockey team. I went on Calgary radio, I remember this, like, around opening night, and I said, I said the same thing I said to you guys about, about Vancouver making the playoffs, and they treated it as if I said that uh, the sun was going to explode. Like, they treated it with, like, the, the aghastness of, of how can you possibly say something? that's so outlandish that they would not only finish above the flames to make the playoffs, but, yeah, it's a good hockey team, and, and I think they've shown – you know, what they can do against an opponent. Now, I granted an opponent that doesn't necessarily play a playoff quality of defense in the first two games of the season, but, uh, but I thought they looked good. And, and I thought that, you know, getting off on the right foot was extraordinarily important for Rick Tockett and his team and, and they did it.
1: Who do you think we were having this conversation earlier and yes, we're getting ahead of ourselves because the Canucks are 2-0 and and they brought some excitement, but we've, (laughs) we've been having this conversation. Who is the most likely to win a major award on the Canucks? Because believe it or not, there are some candidates like we were talking about Petey. Could this be the year that he finally gets some like legit selkie love? I think he finished seventh in the voting last season. Um, he looks really good. His 200 foot game looks really good so far this season as it did last year. And Bergeron, you know, he's not around anymore. Um, in the league, at least. Um, could it be Rick Tockett? who has a high profile, and if the Canucks make the playoffs, there are going to be a lot of people that talk about Rick Tockett and the job that he did, or could it be Thatcher Demko for the Vesna or Quinn Hughes for the Norris?
2: When you said you want to get ahead of yourself, I really thought the question was going to be, who's on the float with Quinn? Who gets to be on the lead float? Yeah, we're not, there, we're, we're not there, Wish. We're not going to get
1: crazy
2: or anything <laughs> like that.
1: We're just talking about, I mean, maybe all of them will win major awards. That's possible. <laughs> it's uh,
2: the largest float in the history of Parade. So uh, one that could be seen from space. Um, you know, your talk at one is, I think, an interesting one in the sense that it usually is either a team that is just marauding people and, and racking up the points like we saw last year with Jim Montgomery, or it's a team that, makes the playoffs that you don't expect to make the playoffs that usually produces the Jack Adams winner, which if it's Vancouver, you're right. I mean, it could easily be like, Hey, Rick talked it with these guys to shape and, and they play good defense and what have you. And we're going to credit the coach with that rather than probably what the real issue is, which is a resurgent goaltender. Um, for me, it's, it's Pedersen and the Selke. Uh, he was my pick before this season to, Uh, kind of be the next Ryan O'Reilly type, the guy who wins the Selkie as a de facto MVP. Mm. Because I think that, you know, and again, like he's off to a great start, but like if he may not necessarily have the cachet to win the heart, but he definitely has a a case already. He's on the radar, like you said, to win the Selkie. And if that's the case, sometimes you get those years where it's, you know, we want to honor this guy in some way and he's got the creds to win the Selkie. So why not give him that?
0: Because uh, you were in Pittsburgh recently, you were writing about Eric Carlson and the Penguins. Uh, and I noticed that a lot of people were kind of like quote-tweeting, taking that snapshot of the article where they talked about Mike Sullivan trying to ruin <laughs> Eric Carlson. Can you let our listeners know exactly what's going
2: on here? <laughs> well, part part of the story, and thanks for shouting it out, it was on the site last week. Very good, article, very good article, very good article. Yeah, it's, I, I, liked, I, I love when they send me someplace and I can just you know, dig my claws into a good feature story. And, and that was a good one. Um, like I, I, part of the investigation in Carlson was to ask a bunch of people, "Does he play defense. And if not, what's going to happen in Pittsburgh. <laughs> and so I kind of put that to, to Sullivan. And while he did say that he felt that criticisms of Carlson's defense were overstated, he did say, you know, we identified some things before we made the trade that we want him to work on, that we want him to improve on, that I think we could make him an even better player. If he focuses on and and not only was it simply just their scouting department and analytics department doing that, but it was also him calling his old friend Dave Quinn, who's the the head coach of the San Jose Sharks, to say, hey, you know, tell me all you all I need to know about Eric Carlson and what he does on the ice. So he's got some intel, he's got some some scouting, and they think that there are things he can improve on. And again, the reaction was the reaction, which is that it was a little bit of overreaction to what he said. That like they're going to sort of sort of change Eric Carlson. That like all of a sudden Mike Sullivan's going to be. Dale Hunter asking Alex Ovechkin to block shots or something like
1: that. You know what it reminds me of is when, remember when Barry Trotz said that Alex Ovechkin has a little bit too much glide in his game? Like yeah. there's too much gliding. out it. like, don't change Ovi! And like Barry Trotz helped Ovi win a Stanley Cup. The idea that these guys are perfect and can't be coached at all just because they're superstars, I've always found that really annoying. Like I, we watched Eric Carlson a lot because he was in the Canucks division there are some very questionable defensive efforts from Eric Carlson, (laughs) like very questionable. And man, if Mike Sullivan can help
2: that, then go for it. Yeah, I was going to say, it was such a weird reaction too, because like this isn't someone saying, you know, best offensive player in the world, play defense and all of us are like, you're going to ruin them. This was a coach saying, Hey, guy that you all think doesn't play defense, we're going to try to get, get him get to play defense. Like this guy should have been a unanimous choice for the Norris last year, and he wasn't because you had a lot of people that didn't believe that he actually played half of the what you need to do when you play that position, which is to you know d up in your own zone. And so now you have a coach saying we're going to make him better defensively, and then you have all these people being like, don't ruin him. It's such a it's such it's almost hypocritical like to call out Carlson for what you think he doesn't do. Have a coach say I'm going to help fix. It so he does do it and then be like, how dare you? <laughs>
0: um, I also want to turn our attention now to your beloved New Jersey Devils. I couldn't help but notice last night that uh, Lindy Ruff was angry. And I remember the start of last season, and it was great because the fire Lindy chants were quickly replaced with, sorry, Lindy, like, our bad, collectively. But I don't know whether this is just a veteran coach seeing some bad signs creeping in and wants to nip it in the bud. I also could see a little bit of regression from this team because progress is not always linear. But what are you making about what's going on early days in New Jersey, but with the Devils?
2: Well, I mean, you know, they've they've not really put together a full game yet, um, and they clearly did not have a good game in Game Two against Arizona. And last night, they got down pretty early to a team that honestly was pretty desperate for a win at this point. If you're Florida, so I imagine that they were playing at another gear than the Devils were last night. Devils almost did the thing that they did they did all last year, which is to like rally from a big deficit. To, tie a game and earn a point. So from that aspect, you have to be at least a little bit happy with the way they responded in the third period, but yeah, they're not playing good. And, and I said, to, you know, part of the, the thing about them this year was that it was going to take them a little bit to kind of recalibrate. They've got some new faces on the, on the team. And in particular, they had two huge uh, losses on the blue line in, in uh, Damon Severson and Ryan Graves, who are two stabilizing forces there back, back there, not only defensively, but also guys that are really good on a first pass to help kind of, you know, get their offense going and get the speed game going. And if there's a one sort of troubling thing early on for this team is that they've not looked like themselves. They've not carried play in the way that they can carry play using their speed. And I think maybe part of that, I'd have to really kind of take a hard look at the, at the film and the analytics of it. But I, I wonder if part of that is their inability to break out in the same ways that they were last season, missing those two guys on the blue line.
0: Greg, great stuff, bud. As always, thanks for doing this. We appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of the week. We'll do this again next Tuesday. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. That's Greg Wachinski from ESPN here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet six fifty. I do always find it funny when
1: people like react to any perceived criticism that a coach has to has of like a superstar. Like that superstar is perfect. There's there's nothing that guy is doing. That's right. Like, why even have a coach then? Yeah. Like, just to deal with the other guys? And I actually brought up the the story that I wrote on Trotz. It was all the way back in 2014. I think we were in the draft in Philly, actually. That's right. We were. And uh, Trotz said, Alex has got a bit too much glide in his game. When you're standing still, you're really easy to cover. It's something I was actually preaching when I was coaching hockey over the weekend with, like, seven- or eight-year-old kids. You're like, if you're standing still you're done, Mm -hmm. right? So don't stop skating through the neutral zone. And that goes for if you're a defenseman too. Like, you got to keep skating. You got to keep skating backwards. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're just going to, you know, people are just going to go right by you. But it also reminds me of the Canucks' new power play that actually has movement. Yep. Like, if you're... if. Don't you think it would be more fun to, like, if you're running, if, if you're on a power play, to move and, like, create movement? At any rate, there's, you know, the, the point is, is that Mike Sullivan would not be doing his job if you didn't look at it, a few of the things that Eric Carlson did in San Jose on a terrible team and said, things are different here in Pittsburgh. Like we're not trying to win the scoring race. It doesn't matter if you get a hundred points as a defenseman,
0: you have to do certain things here that you didn't really have to do in San Jose because nobody cared. I mean, there's two things at play here. One, I think a lot of the rest, quote unquote response is, in these instances like you were talking about with Trotz and Ovechkin and like what we're hearing now with Sullivan and Carlson is just people being contrarian for contrarian's sake or always pushing back against the restrictive nature of coaching and, you know, coaches only coach defense. Yeah. Abolish defense. Abolish all the lines yeah, just I mean, have fire there's a wagon lot of fans hockey, that right? seem to
1: just want like river hockey or pond hockey sure right like that's so there is that's that all they want it. and i'm like well that's not hockey that's not winning hockey
0: the other part of it is and i got a little bit of time for this argument is that when you acquire eric carlson you're acquiring him in part to be eric carlson so anything that's perceived as removing that aspect of his game i can understand why people might mm-hmm. have trepidation but at the same time how many stanley cups has mike sullivan won um 2 how many has Eric Carlson won? Um, zero. Yeah. Right. right. So, yeah. Did Barry
1: Trotz help Alex Ovechkin win a Stanley Cup? He
0: sure did. Yeah. Yeah. So, there's that part of it is that there's guys that know how to win in a team game. And, mm-hmm. like, let's make no mistake. Wish brought up a good point. If Eric Carlson wasn't, what was he? And I know I'm throwing out plus minus as a stat. Don't kill me, but he was minus 30 on a horrible hockey team. That's what kept him from being, like, a unanimous slam dunk Norse trophy winner because a lot of people said, well, wait a minute. Is the NHL's best defenseman actually playing proper defense on a regular basis? Yeah, a valid thing to bring up, for sure. I mean,
1: a valid thing if you were a forward. Yeah, and he's like, you can cheat to score points,
0: mm-hmm. right? It, it can happen, especially if you're playing in San Jose. Yeah, barely anybody's look, watching. And if they are, look at the
1: way the Canucks. Look at the way the Canucks played last season. They had some really good individual point performances. Did it pan out to a
0: good team? Sure didn't. Uh, Coming up on the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650, uh, we're going to talk to Brendan Batchelor, play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Canucks. He'll be on the call tonight. Canucks, Flyers, Philly's home opener. And it begins at 3 o'clock our time. So as the schedule works on Sportsnet 650 today, pregame show, 2 o'clock start. For the pregame show. Uh, live broadcast with Batch starts at 3, and then we've got a lengthy postgame show afterwards. So wall-to-wall Canucks today. Brendan Batchelor, play-by-play voice of the team, coming up next on the Halford & Brough Show on Sportsnet 650.
2: Talking all Canucks, all the time. It's Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drance. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bachelor, Bachelor. bachelor Live from Rogers Arena. Knox Games. It is Brendan Bachelor. Bachelor. Bachelor.
0: 731 on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Halford sports Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruv for the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura Dealer. Today, we are... <laughs> Is it the song? Is it the song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm assuming all our guests like their theme songs. The only one that ever really bristled against it was Frank Seravalli. Yeah, we dropped him like a bad potato. So yeah, <laughs> this
1: is like from a Roger, Roger Moore James Bond movie.
0: Yeah, there's a certain <laughs> like it, it's it's catchy and friendly, but there's also a little bit of intrigue and drama behind yeah, it. There's, I some, there's some danger. I was thinking right? like love boat kind of thing. Bachelor. That's the kind of theme I thought we were going for. Bachelor in yeah. Paradise. Yeah, that works. The, what's the new one with the old dude? The Golden Bachelor? Yeah. (laughs) What? Yeah, we we've, talked. About we've got this. the Golden Bachelor on the hold right bachelor. now. Yeah. yeah the, okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. Albert and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari Family of Acura Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accura dealer today. We are in hour two of the program. The Golden Bachelor is going to join us in just a second. Here. Is that like an eighty-year-old bachelor? Is that the? Is it's that not what? eighty. Seventy. Oh, yeah. well, but he, uh, he looks. Still looks good. Whoa, whoa, whoa! He, uh, he looks amazing. Yeah, he oh, looks okay. good. He looks better than Bruff and I combined. Yeah. <laughs> and combined, we're almost 80. So he's, got, he's re- doing really well for <laughs> By the Alfred. way, combined, yes. we are well over 80. <sighs> we're closer to 90. Yeah.
3: Brandon Batchelor joins us now on the Halford & Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Batch? Uh, not a whole lot. I-, I heard when you guys first had the conversation around the Golden Bachelor, and I can't remember who it was that said it, but that's the image that jumps to my mind now, which is somebody said that they were just picturing me spray-painted gold like I was the Swedish league. Right, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: We really took that in a direction nobody saw coming, but <laughs> yeah, here we are. For sure. <laughs> um, Bachelor, are you expecting
1: uh, Carson Susi to draw into the lineup tonight?
3: Yeah, I guess we'll see. Uh, Game time decision. But, you know, the fact that he was on a regular pairing at practice yesterday is a good sign. So um, I would imagine that that means he's likely to play unless they just want to be a little bit safe and give him a couple more days before they head down to Florida. But uh, generally speaking, if you see a guy fully participate in practice beyond a regular pairing, that's a good indication that he's likely to play or that they feel he's close. And so I expect we'll probably see him tonight.
1: So while Canuck, fans have been enjoying the 2-0 and start and, you know, our show especially has been leaning into the positivity because we haven't had a lot of that over the last few years. I have mm-hmm. noticed that both Rick Tockett and Patrick Alveen were like, hey, listen, we still got a lot to work on and that game Saturday in Edmonton, if we play all our games like that, we ain't going to win many of them.
3: Yeah, well, and... I understand that mentality, first of all, because it's just two games and it's a long season, but also because in recent years, the Canucks and maybe not this specific group, but a lot of players that are a part of this group have had let down games after having success, right? Like we've seen them win a couple games, start feeling good about themselves, and then things come back down to earth. And especially for Talkett, who is the head coach and runs things day to day, he's the kind of guy that's going to going to be on these guys all year, not you know allowing them to let up not allowing them to to you know have a a setback or or a game where they just feel comfortable with the way things have gone and don't commit to the staples of the game as he talks about and i think you know going into the game today it's a very appropriate conversation to have because if there's a quote-unquote trap game on this trip it's probably this game against the Flyers because this isn't a particularly skilled Philly team but they're coached by John Tortorella so you know they're going to work hard and if you're not ready to match that then it's going to be a more difficult game for you than maybe it should be.
1: Well it's interesting because this is the first game of the season where the Canucks um, you know on paper are the better team.
3: Yeah, and I would imagine the betting favorite going into the game as well, even if they're on the road and it's it's Philly's home opener. So there's always going to be sort of a, um, you know a different feeling around the rink when when that happens. But yeah, absolutely, and, and that's going to be the interesting thing for me is. You know, especially in the game on Saturday against the Oilers, it wasn't about the Canucks dictating the way they wanted to play. It was about them bending but not breaking mm-hmm. and responding to the pressure of the Oilers. Well, if you're going up against a team like Philly, who again, they might work very hard, but you're not expecting them to be particularly skilled. You're not expecting them to do a whole lot this year because, it, you know, they're fully admittedly in a rebuild and they've traded a bunch of their veterans, then how can you dictate the play? How can you take it to them? How can you make life hard on the opposition rather than being the team against the Oilers that, you know, is responding to the way that they want to play the game? So that's going to be an interesting wrinkle to watch this afternoon. I think is now that the Canucks are the favorite, now that they might be the team that, you know, has the puck more can create more opportunities. What do they do with that? And can they build on a couple of wins to start the season as they continue through the road trip?
0: Uh, in your pre-scout, how much time did you have to spend learning who plays defense for the Philadelphia Flyers? <laughs> uh,
3: more than I would have liked. Uh, but, you know, they've got some injuries back there. Ristolainen's out of the lineup right now. So, um, you know, that plays a factor too. But again, this is a team that uh, has has moved on from some of their players. You know, Kevin Hayes not there anymore. Ivan Provorov not there anymore on the back end, uh, just to name a couple. So, um, you know, anytime you face a team that's in this portion of their build and you get ready to prep for the game, you're always like, oh, I've never heard of that guy before. I guess he's in the, <laughs> the NHL now. And uh, that's absolutely the case for this Flyers team. We're speaking of Brendan Batchelor,
0: play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Canucks
3: here on the Halford
0: & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Yeah, You know, you mentioned the possibility of this being a trap game. And I, I do see... The makings of it, because you know, say what you will about where the Flyers are at in their competitive cycle, it's still a home opener, and it's the second one in a row that the Canucks are going to play in as the visiting team. And you remember, you know, Saturday in Edmonton, even though the, the Canucks were you know very much outshot, they still emerged with the victory. And I think that there was a real sense of all right, like we were able to withstand the push, and this was a big blow that we dealt to Edmonton. And then you look moving ahead again. Makings of a trap game. I'm just curious for your thoughts on what the Canucks need to do to need to do to avoid that specifically early in the game, not getting falling behind early.
3: Yeah, well, obviously you want to jump out to a strong start or at least weather that early storm. And uh, you know, certainly they didn't do that on Saturday against the Oilers. But it's it's one of those situations where Phillies push probably won't be to the the same extent that you get from guys like Leon Dreisidel and Connor McDavid so um you know they might need Demko assuming that he's the starter to make some saves for them early but after that you've got to settle into the game and as I said sort of dictate the way you want to play and um you know not to fall back on Rick Talk at coach speak but they've got to stick to the the things in their game that allowed them to have success whether it is their their forecheck or the way they prevent teams from coming through the a neutral zone or or their commitment to to the structure that they play with in the D zone. These are all things that, you know, he has called non-negotiables in the past, and what that means is that you got to do it every night. You can't just do it when you're playing Connor McDavid. You can't just do it at the start of the season. You've got to do it in Game 3. You've got to do it in Game 43. You've got to do it in Game 73 and 82, and hopefully beyond that, if they can have some consistency and some success. So, that's what I'll be looking to see is, um, you know, I don't want to call the Flyers a lesser opponent because they're still an NHL club, but when you are playing a team that isn't a Stanley Cup contender like the Oilers fancy themselves, do you stick to those same things or do you go rogue and do you try to be fancy and create more offense or do you come out of your structure in the defensive zone? Those are the things that Rick Talkett will want to really... Stamp out of this team's game, and and those are things that we've seen from them in the past. So, um, how effectively his message is getting through is going to be evident based on how guys respond in this game, and whether the Canucks play to the level that we've seen them play to it. It stretches through the first two games, or whether they play down to their opposition a little bit. Right. So,
1: Batch at the risk of uh, getting ahead of ourselves, the Canucks are two and zero, and we're talking about all the major awards they're going to win. They might they might sweep them all, actually. Um, which one do you? Which one? are you looking at as the most realistic do you think Rick Tockett if he can get the Canucks into the playoffs has a good chance at coach of the year or do you think it's maybe Petey with the Selkie now that uh, Patrice Bergeron has retired
3: yeah, I, I think those are both uh, both good uh, good suggestions, and you know it's fine to get ahead of ourselves. I did a, a hit in California this morning where they asked me where the the parade should be mm-hmm. uh, in Vancouver. So you know w- w- that's what we do, kind of to a certain extent here in BC, is get hey, ahead a- of ourselves. Hey, listen,
1: but- <laughs> we're going to take advantage of any of this. Like while yeah. we can still be positive about this team, like we, there's no guarantees. We might come back. We we might have the show tomorrow and be like, that was a pretty bad loss to Philly. Right? Like they've still got a long way to go, but I think it's okay for the fans to get ahead of themselves as long as the players don't
3: yeah a hundred percent and and enjoy the team playing well because you know that's not something we've had a lot of in the last few years to be perfectly honest now getting back to your original question about the major awards I think both of those are possible assuming that things continue to trend in the direction that they are I would say the Rick Tockett one is probably the most realistic if the Canucks can play the way that they have consistently, can get into the playoffs because, um, you know, they have made some personnel changes here, right, particularly on the back end uh, with Ian Cole. And then, of course, Susie hasn't played yet, but he'll come into the the lineup potentially today or certainly on this road trip. But the core players are all the same. And so if Rick Tockett can come in and take a team that – you know, has had such disappointments over the last handful of years with this same core group and has struggled and has has not really been in the playoff conversation. And, you know, it's back-to-back seasons now that there's been a coaching change in season coming into this year. So if he can take that group and he can get their buy-in with the way that they play to the point that they can be a playoff team, then... You know that that is an impressive accomplishment for a head coach in this league, and it would not surprise me at all if he gets Jack Adams votes in that scenario. It would not surprise me at all if he's nominated, and mm-hmm. um, you know, very very possibly could win it because the thing we've seen with the Jack Adams in recent years is that, and I'm a, a voting member for that award uh, with the NHL Broadcasters Association, is that um, it's often the coach that achieves more than everybody thought he could right. with a team that didn't people didn't expect much from and that's exactly what I think Rick Talkett would be doing if he can get the Canucks into the playoffs.
1: Yeah you have to have a story you have to have a you have to have like a, a narrative that goes along with it and I can't imagine a better one than taking the Vancouver Canucks uh, into the playoffs and teaching them how to play actual respectable hockey. Um, Connor Garland um, do you think his future with the Canucks could be tied to the return of Ilya Mikheyev?
3: Yeah. I mean, where he plays in the lineup certainly is going to be tied to the return of Ilya Mikheyev. I wonder about, you know, the the talk about them trying to trade him. I wonder how difficult that's going to be and whether, uh, you know, if he w- doesn't want to be here, that's fine. If the organization wants to move on from him and create the cap flexibility, that's fine. But it's one thing to want that and another thing to do it. So it wouldn't surprise me if both sides have to be a little bit patient here. And even if McKeever comes back, Garland has to slot further down the lineup and just try and show that that he can play to the best of his ability, so that if an opportunity to move on from him does come along, you know the the Canucks can take advantage of it at that point. But it's not often that we see these sorts of moves early in the season. Yeah. So even though we are hearing about teams that have interest and could be potential destinations, it wouldn't surprise me at all if we still have to wait a couple of months before Connor Garland is is moved or if, you know, possibly it's too difficult a deal to do because you know, if you believe the reports that the Canucks want to free up some cap space but also want to acquire a defenseman and you had have to imagine that their preference would be for a right shot defenseman that's not going to be an easy needle to thread so um, garland may just have to put his head down here be patient and and try and play to the best of his ability whether he's up the lineup or down the lineup because it's not a situation where i'm expecting him to be moved tomorrow or anything like that it's an
1: odd situation though because connor garland is technically a first line winger and saturday in edmonton he played nine minutes and 42 seconds of the game
3: yeah well and and that has that's another thing that i think is is worthy of, of mentioning is the way that Rick Talkett has deployed his forwards to me has been fascinating where you could understand because they were playing with 11 forwards in the first game that he had to double shift some guys and play them with the fourth liners. But then he continued to do that on Saturday when they had the full complement of yeah. 12 forwards. And, you know, the, the Studnika goal is Petterson out on the ice mm-hmm. with Jack Studnika. And, you know, he took shifts with with Lafferty and Hoaglander later in the game too. So, uh, you know, th- that bears watching is is how this coaching staff decides to manage their top players, manage their minutes, where they get them out there, trying to you know get away from some matchups on the road and how effective that can be. And then you look at the blue line as well and I don't think I would have expected Philip Hironik to be averaging more minutes than Quinn Hughes at this point in the season. And certainly, if you look at the Canucks minutes, all three of their top defensemen are over 23 minutes, but none of them are over 24 minutes. And that's going to be a, an interesting thing to follow because I think we talked a couple weeks ago about Hughes and his minutes, and I sort of thought that they were just going to play the wheels off him because he averaged more minutes than anyone else in the NHL under Tockett after Tockett came in as the head coach last year. Mm -hmm. But it seems like with Ian Cole, Philip Peronic, Quinn Hughes, they're trying to spread those minutes out a little bit which might be a smart move in terms of keeping those guys healthy and able to play at a high level uh, over the long run and then with the forward group picking their spots to get some of their top players out in interesting situations. It's not really something we've seen uh, in Vancouver over the last few years and I'm going to be interested to see how, how it carries forward, whether it's something they stick with or whether it's something that's specific to situations in games or whether they're on the road and don't have the last change. Batch,
0: great stuff, man. Thanks for doing this today. We appreciate it. Uh, Enjoy the game tonight. Have a good call. We'll do this again soon. Sounds good. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. That's Brendan Batchelor, play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Canucks here on the Alfred and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. I said have a good call tonight. Actually, have a good call this afternoon. Right. Puck drop is at 3 o'clock, everybody. 3 o'clock. In case I haven't made that abundantly clear throughout the first 90 (laughs) minutes of this show. 3 o'clock. Pre-game at 2 o'clock. The Garland situation, though, I just want to keep
1: chatting about it for a bit because... You don't often see a first line winger play nine minutes and forty-two seconds. And Batch is talking about how Petey was out there with other guys like Stanika and Lafferty and Hoaglander and those are guys down the line. You know, the other guy that didn't play much at even strength was Kuzmenko. Mm-hmm. And we all know that Talkett is learning to or trying to trust Kuzmenko. Yep. And I think in a in a game like that against the Edmonton Oilers when it was a situation where at time while well, there was a lot of special teams play and Kozmeko while he plays on the power play doesn't play shorthanded so that's part of it but mm-hmm. his even strength ice time wasn't very much like a guy like Dakota Joshua played more at even strength than um, than Kuzmenko and Garland, and Bovillier played more. Like there are guys at even strength that I think talk trusts trust way more, especially in a close game, mm-hmm. than guys like Gar- Garland and Kuzmenko, and those guys are technically on the first line.
0: Yep, I mean, that game, If even you, if you look at the Oilers' time on ice from Saturday, it was all over the map, too, right? Like, they had forwards, a bunch of them that played less than, like, eight minutes because it was, you know... Well, were... they had so much power play time. Yeah, right. It was just kind of one of those games, but I get what you're saying. Um, I think it's more... Like, where
1: does Garland fit in this lineup when Mikheyev gets back? Is he a healthy scratch?
0: He's th- probably a third-line guy at best, healthy scratch, but Could he be a healthy scratch? And that's why I, that's why
1: I'm wondering, and I'm not reporting anything, I don't know, but I could see the Canucks being like okay um we we want to do this deal let's say they let's say they have a deal with some other team sure and they say listen we don't want to do this deal right now because we don't have an obvious guy to put up with Pd and Kuzmenko sure. right, right now. Yeah. I mean, it, so, it, so makes, just, it let, makes sense it's, logically. It's just something that, I, that I'm wondering about. Again, I'm not reporting it, and it
2: might be true. Why do you wink true. at the camera every time you say that? No, no,
1: yeah. no, it <laughs> might be true that Batch, you know, Batch, Batch is saying, like, it might be tough for them to move, especially move him so early in the season, especially if they want a D-man back. But we are hearing that teams are interested in Garland, right? right. And that's the, the first step. Right, and and you can see how a team like Columbus might be interested in Garland, or you can see how a team like Nashville might be interested in Connor Garland. Like those teams need to be improved, and we all know that. Uh, for example, Nashville is trying to, you know, they're they're resetting the culture there. Maybe they feel like Garland is the type of veteran player that they could need, they could use, right? Um, and the player that could be involved there is a is a, a local kid in Dante Fabro, right? There have been and a few reports that the Canucks might be interested in Dante Fabro or the right shot defenseman. Um, I just the, that's one of the reasons I'm I'm really monitoring the McKayev situation. I mean the McKayev situation by itself is interesting, but I wonder if it could relate to a Garland move.
0: Well, we're super deep in the weeds here, so we may as well keep going. This is why Garland hired a new agent, and this is why Garland hired not just a new agent, but a power broker mm. agent. Do you think it was a coincidence that within days of hiring a new agent, all of a sudden we were getting reports of all the interested suitors, specific teams, as a matter of fact, that were expressing an interest in Garland? Do you think all of a sudden it's yeah. surprising that we're getting puns about Andrew Peake and we're getting leaks about Dante Favreau? This is what the whole thing was designed and for. And Alfred, one of the things we were talking about with Jamie, well, I was
1: talking about with Jamie Dodd yesterday was like your best friend. Yeah, he was he was excellent, just a pro as always. Um, is that if you're Garland, one of the reasons you get your agent involved as well is not just necessarily to be like, get me out of here, right? Like, that's the easy kind of narrative. He's like, Garland went, went hired his new agent. He said, get me out of here. I don't want to go here. He's also like, hey, if the Canucks are going to try and trade me, let's try and grab some control of this process sure. so I don't go anywhere
0: I don't want to go. Yeah, there are a lot of nuances to it. Right? right? Like, he's probably like, yeah, that'd be sweet, Nashville. I didn't request a trade, but I requested to find a new agent who might explore the possibility of trades. See then you can say I didn't request a trade. Like that's how this whole thing works.
1: No, I requested I I change an agent so he can help me um, out guy. of this situation, make the best of a, a bad yep. situation. I didn't forever. request
0: a trade. My buddy that just runs my career requested The a only trade. thing I requested yeah, yeah, yeah. was a new He didn't Legion. even tell me. <laughs> yeah,
1: He didn't even tell me. The, the, the thing with Garland, though, I mean, everyone, uh, you know, you, you were pretty hot at it, and I was pretty hot at it, just because the news came out. I thought the timing was was really bad. But if you're in Garland's shoes, right, you're like, hey, these guys are trying to trade me. And Jim Rutherford, this is the other thing we mentioned yesterday, at, at his... Uh, press conference uh, along with Alveen and Tockett before training camp was sitting there up there and saying like there's still some contracts I want to move and I'm like I bet Garland was one of them right? So if you're Garland you're like they're trying to trade me let's get my agent involved normally you have no control of those situations
0: Yeah, like don't get me wrong I think I've said this before last week anyway like I'm all for of NHL players and you know the union members striking back and trying to solidarity and power with the players and all that stuff unless it affects the team that I cheer for
1: so we got someone texting in they killed eight penalties that's why the wingers had irregular ice time Garland didn't even have any power play time either right and there were guys who were technically (laughs) below Garland in the lineup that played more at even so it's not just the penalties that caused Garland's ice time to fall Hmm. The same with Kuzmenko. The, the, Kuzmenko, listen, Tackett still doesn't trust Kuzmenko to play the type of game that he wants to play.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He I mean, likes his goal scoring. He, he he's not dumb. We can see that Kuzmenko can put the puck in the net, but there are certain things that Kuzmenko still does that Tackett doesn't like, and that's okay. It's wow. part of the process. But for people to be like, you know, like I think it says a lot that Kuzmenko. Who's supposedly one of the best forwards on the Canucks and is paid like that? He played twelve minutes that game. Mm-hmm. He played three ten on the power play where they really like him, but only nine minutes at evens.
0: Yep. I mean, I, I don't. I, the team hasn't fundamentally changed because they won two games against Edmonton. Like the 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 same sort of. Lack of coherent roster problems still exist. Talking was not happy with some of the players on Saturday. He said so himself. But they had enough good performances from key guys. And again, as we go back to House of Positivity, with that clip that we played earlier where he talked about, I played Pedersen in so many different situations, and I think he played with every single winger on the team. And sometimes we just put a center next to him. It is interesting. Early days again, but... They talked before the season about playing defense by committee. Mm -hmm. And now they're they're playing forward by committee, really. Like, it's just, (laughs) let's figure out who can skate with who at any given moment. Kudos to the coaches. Like, the coaching staff deserves a ton of credit. Mm -hmm. That game on Saturday could have spilled out of hand with how lopsided the shots were. But Tockett found a way to utilize the guys and lean on his guys that he knew he needed to have out there in pressure moments, right? Some of the ice times were... Pretty egregiously lopsided for the star guys or the big guys, but that's fine. If that's the way that it's going to go, it's just another thing to monitor and get excited about moving forward. I think
1: he really likes some of the guys like Sam Lafferty. Sam Lafferty played almost 14 minutes at even strength. Yep. You know, that's far more than Garland or Kuzmenko played
0: at evens. Yeah, it's because of what he brings to the table, right? Now there'll be other games. Including the winning goal. (laughs) Right, there'll be other games, maybe even on this trip. Where it becomes a game where maybe the, they're trailing. Maybe. Or there oh. are, yeah, and there aren't a million penalties. So it evens like Garland's gonna get more spins and Kuzmenko's gonna get more spins. It's just a game to game thing. But look, it's what we do here. We overreact to every single game. We'll come into tomorrow morning. Whatever happens against Philly, we're going to be talking about it excessively. Uh, you know what we haven't talked about excessively this morning? Any other sports? Yeah, like just nothing, really. There was a bunch of other stuff that happened last night. So what we've done strategically, well, sort of, uh, we've left the entire hour, final hour of this program available for what we learns, open topics, anything you want to discuss Uh, We're going to do our What We Learns, and then you're going to do yours. Dunbar Lumber text line is 650-650. Text in, what did you learn over the last 24 hours in sports? Let us know. It's your chance to be on the radio. One hour of uninterrupted What We Learns here next on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.